Well, in an article entitled, Coronavirus Could Kill Consumer Christianity, uh, Brett McCracken from the Gospel Coalition wrote this. Listen to this carefully, church. One of the potential positive effects of COVID-19 on Christianity is that the pandemic is likely to kill off consumer Christianity, at least in the short term. And while there is certainly plenty to lament about how this crisis is wrecking lives, economies, and unraveling all the world's plans in stunningly rapid fashion, the virus's attack on comfortable Christianity could be something we eventually celebrate. Coronavirus has rapidly taken away the excesses of church, all the bells and whistles. What remains are bare essentials. Jesus, the word, community, prayer, singing. What remains is the reality that the church can never be vanquished. We are Christ's body and will live eternally with him. Things are suddenly Spartan in how we do church, but what we are remains as vibrant as ever. What we are remains as vibrant as ever. Loved ones, I want to remind you, we are in a sermon series called Never Alone, rediscovering the necessity and power of life together. I want to review for us where we've been so we can get back on the same page. We've learned from the example of the earliest Christians in the book of Acts that followers of Jesus Christ are not islands unto themselves, but we share a common life together. It's a beautiful picture of the church of Jesus Christ. You and I are not meant to be alone. We've learned from the brilliant illustration of the Apostle Paul that followers of Jesus Christ don't just do their own thing, but we are joined together as one body in Jesus Christ. We've learned from the Apostle John and from the Apostle Paul and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself that Christians aren't just indifferent towards one another, but we are commanded to love one another in the same way that Jesus Christ has loved us. We are, we are not meant to be alone. And the Bible has so much for us about how we are to relate and the power and necessity of us relating to each other in the ways that the Scripture calls us to. Now today, loved ones, today in our COVID-19 world, uh, we want to dig even deeper again into what this common life together needs to look like. That we're in this situation, this moment in history where all the bells and whistles of, of church life have been stripped away from us. Much of what we thought mattered so much doesn't matter at all right now for the church of Jesus Christ. And today we dig deeper again into what remains, into what truly matters for us as the church of Jesus Christ, and what will position us now for greater effectiveness and authenticity and fruitfulness and unity as a church in these ever 
changing days in this ever-changing world that we are living in. And so now more than ever before, there are some truths of Scripture that we need to stop putting off. Now more than ever before, there are some truths of Scripture that we must resolve to get our arms around today as individuals, but as a church. And so the title of this morning's message is simply this, a now more than ever before. Now more than ever before. And so I want you to take your Bibles right away and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to unpack just two verses, verses 24 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. So much in here for us. Let's look at it together. This is what the writer to the Hebrews uh, says. He says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love these verses of Scripture, and there's so much truth for us right now. Right now, where you are, would you just pray in your mind, just before we begin to unpack these verses, would you stop right now and pray, Lord, show me what you have for me in these verses today, in Jesus' name. So this is where we're going to start. And now, more than ever before, uh, we must, write this down, we must seriously consider one another. Now, in this COVID-19 world, now more than ever before, we must seriously consider one another. I want you to notice verse 24 again. It says this, and let us consider, that's an important word in the text, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, before we jump in, I want to give us a bit of the context. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 begins with an exposition of the superiority of Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of his sacrifice for us on the cross. And this section we're in of chapter 10 culminates with some very practical exhortations. They're practical for you. They're practical for me. They're practical for our church. The the first exhortation is found in verse 22, that, that in light of the superiority of Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of his sacrifice, listen, here's the first exhortation, we should all draw near to Jesus with confidence. Yes, Lord, help us to draw near to you. The, the, the second exhortation is found in verse 23 of chapter 10, that in light of the superiority of Jesus Christ, And in light of the sufficiency of his sacrifice for us, we should all cling to what we know to be true about Jesus Christ. The the writer calls it holding fast to the confession of hope without wavering. Oh, how we need that exhortation today. In this wavering world, in this ever-changing world, we need to hold fast and cling to what we know to be true about Jesus Christ. 
And then the third exhortation is found in our text today in verses 24 to 25, that in light of the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ, in light of the sufficiency of his sacrifice for us, we must now seriously consider how to stir up one another towards love and good works. We must seriously consider one another. Now, we need to be reminded of something here, loved ones, before we dig even deeper, that, that everything we're talking about in this series and everything that we're going to be challenged with today, it all rests upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work for us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to be reminded that it's the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross on our behalf that, that in fact compels all that we are being challenged to obey. It's the indicatives of Scripture that come before the imperatives of Scripture. It's what he's done for us that comes before what we're called to do for him. Now, why is this so important for us to stop and consider and mention right now in this moment? Well, it's important for us because, loved ones, Christianity is not merely a religion about trying harder to do better. Christianity is a relationship that we love him in a love relationship because he first loved us, that we obey him, we prize him, we treasure him, and we fulfill his commands in response to all that he has done for us. And so, listen, so important for us loved ones. And so, if Jesus has saved you, if you have discovered his amazing grace, if you were dead and now you're alive, if you were blind but now you see, if you were lost but now you're found, then watch this, verse 24. Then let us consider how to stir up one another towards love and good works the obedience that's being called for from our lives, it flows from our awe and amazement of what he's done for us, the superiority of Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of his sacrifice made for us. And so we, in awe of what he's done for us, we now want to respond. And oh, how I pray right now as you're watching that you want to respond. Let us consider now how to stir up one another towards love and good works. Now, the word consider in the text, it, it means to contemplate, to, to learn thoroughly, to consider accurately and carefully. Uh, to consider here a demands concentrated thought. And so what we're being called to right now is not some flippant kind of a consideration of each other. What we're being called upon to do here requires concentrated thoughtfulness towards one another. Now, what are we to consider so carefully and thoughtfully? Well, 
Notice it in verse 24 again. Uh, It says, let us consider, watch this now, how to stir up one another towards love and good works. The the word for stir up, it's a strong and striking term. It, It means to incite, to provoke in this passage, to provoke in a good sense, uh, to stimulate, to encourage an action or a feeling. So in light of all that Jesus Christ means to us, in light of all that Jesus Christ has done for us, the writer to the Hebrews is bringing forth this exhortation, so important for us in our church today. Let us now carefully and thoroughly and thoughtfully contemplate how to provoke one another to stimulate one another, to stir up one another. For what? For what? To do what? Well, notice it again in the text. Verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Here it is. Towards love and good works. We are to consider seriously and carefully and thoughtfully how to stir up one another, how to stimulate in each other more love and more good works. How important is this, loved ones? Well, listen to what John Piper said. I read a bit about what he wrote on this passage of Scripture. So blessed. I want to bless you with it. Listen to what he wrote. He wrote this. When you get up in the morning and you face a day, what do you say to yourself about your hopes for the day? What do you want to happen because you have lived? What difference do you want your life to make? He goes on, aimlessness is akin to lifelessness. Dead leaves in the backyard may move around more than anything else, more than the dog, more than the children. The wind blows this way, they go this way. The wind blows that way, they go that way. They tumble, they bounce, they skip, they press against a fence, but they have no aim whatsoever. They are full of motion and empty of life. He goes on. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. He says, here is the focus of your life. Here is what you aim at from morning till night as a Christian. Consider how to stimulate each other to love and good deeds. He says, Aim at stirring up others to do good works. And of course, the implication would also be that if others need help and stirring, we do too. It's true. So a few weeks ago, we looked at the clear command to love one another. Today, we're getting a bit more insight into that from God's word. Here's the insight. Love and good works, listen to me. Love and good works 
It doesn't just happen. Donald Guthrie, a commentator, notes this on the screen. He says, something more than individual effort is needed if love and good works are to be fostered. I'm going to read that again. Something more than individual effort is needed if love and good works are to be fostered. So here we have something of God's design for his church. Here we have something of how God has made our church and his church to function like, that that what he commands us to do, he makes provision for, certainly through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. But also, he makes provision for our obedience through the collective body. Now, how exactly are we to love one another? Well, by necessity, we love one another together. We cannot love one another when we are not together. And how is the manifestation of that love seen? Well, by necessity, it is seen in our good works towards one another. Together. We cannot show good works towards one another. We cannot do good deeds towards one another unless we are together. And so what I can conclude here is that We all need the help of one another to cultivate a community that loves one another. That we are being called upon by the writer to the Hebrews in the very word of God to consider thoughtfully and seriously how we are going to stimulate in each other love and good deeds. That we are being called upon by the writer to the Hebrews to think very carefully to make this the aim of our lives. That we don't just live by ourselves in our own little individual bubble. But we exist as part of a community. And we see ourselves as part of a community. The church of Jesus Christ. And if we are going to fulfill the command to love one another... We must also learn to consider carefully how we are going to stir up that love and that good works in one another. And so this becomes so powerful for us, especially for those of us who think of ourselves as individuals and not as part of a community. As Christians, we are not just individuals unto ourselves as Christians, We are part of a body. And the very commands given to us in Scripture, like love one another, we are helped to obey these commands by being part of this community, and we help each other to fulfill and obey these commands in the context of this community. We are not meant to be alone, loved ones. And we are meant to be together. So I want to bring... Two points of application, very simple, just to distill it for us. Uh, Two points of application. Number one is this. uh, We need help to love each other. We need help 
to love each other. We, we need to be stirred up. You need to be stirred up. You need to be provoked to love. You, you need to be stimulated to love. You need to be challenged and encouraged to love. Without the help of others, we all drift into a selfishness. We all drift into self-love and not love for one another. Do you, do you see your need for help today? We need help to love each other. Secondly, this. Then therefore, we need to help each other to love. So simple. And so basic and yet so profound. Have you ever thought of it like that? We need help to love each other and we need to help each other to love. What's being called for here is serious thoughtfulness and serious help to think deeply, to consider carefully, to learn thoroughly how to motivate each other, how to provoke others in our church towards love. Now, have you been doing that in your life? Have you been thinking deeply, not only about how you can love others, but how you can stimulate the love that is called for from the scriptures from our lives, how you can stimulate that in the lives of other people? This is what we're being called to. So, so I just want to give you three simple ways. There's so many ways we can help stir up one another towards love and good works. But I just want to give you three simple ways that we can stir up one another to love and good works. Number one, you can jot this down. Uh, we need to be a learning together. Let's learn together. Uh, get in front of the Bible together. Order for yourself a strong, incredible theological resource on, on how to love or the unity of the church or a fostering a heart of humility or serving. Uh, pick up the phone and set up a meeting online for the distinct purpose of getting in front of the word of God with someone else in our church so that you can together provoke one another towards love and good works one simple way to stir up one another towards love and good works, let's learn together. Don't be on your own, but let's get in front of the Bible together. Let's do that. Learn together. Secondly, pray together. Pray together. So simple, yet so profound. Connect with someone from our church. Connect with several people from our church for the purpose of prayer. Pick up the phone or send a text message or get on the platform of Zoom or FaceTime or Skype. Hey, I'm kind of noticing that you've been distant lately. Can we, can we pray together? Can, can we pray together that, that God would show us how we can be loving one another as a church? How I can love you more, how you can love me and the others in our church the way God wants us to love during this time? Learn together. Pray together. Lastly, go together. Go together. Now, 
This one is a bit more difficult given the physical distancing measures that are in place. But when I look back on my life and I see the seasons or the moments in my life where I was so stirred up, where my heart was provoked to do good works, where my heart may have been distracted and where it was awakened to the reality that God is calling me to love and do good works, those times were often when, when someone I know from my church called me up and said, hey, hey. So-and-so is in need. I'm, I'm going to deliver a meal. Why don't you come with me? And in those moments, just going together was enough to stir my heart towards love and good works. Or, or hey, I'm, I'm about to jump into the prayer room. Tuesday nights, we meet for prayer. Every single Tuesday from 7 to 8. Now pick up the phone. Hey, I'm about to jump into the prayer room. Do you, do you want to join us too? And, and sometimes it's that simple phone call that just would take us out of a distracted state of mind and towards what matters most. Yes, I want to love my church by joining with my church in prayer. Go together to that place. Hey, so-and-so from our church is in the hospital. I'm mobilizing a team to meet practical needs and for prayer. Can I call on you too? Go together. Go together in the ways that you can in this season, but go together, include each other. Those are some simple and yet so effective ways we can stimulate in one another love and good works. Loved ones, are are you doing that for anyone in your life? Or is it just about you today? Are you considering others in our church, not just as a passing thought, but considering carefully and thoughtfully and learning about that person and about many others in such a way that helps you to go to them in a way that stirs them up towards love and good works. Are you doing that for people? Is anyone doing that for you? Is anyone doing that for you? Such important questions for us to consider as a church. We're not meant to be alone, loved ones. We're not meant to be alone. God has called us to be together. And so now, now more than ever before, we must seriously consider one another. Oh, how I'm praying right now in this moment, even as I preach this word. Oh, how I'm praying that hearts are stirred within you. I'm praying that this proclamation is being used to stir up in our church love and good works. Now more than ever before, seriously consider one another. Secondly, and finally this, now more than ever before, we must, write this down, consistently meet with one another. Consistently meet with one another. Now, I understand our predicament. I understand this COVID-19 world. I know that we can't physically meet together in this time, which is why this becomes a season of such opportunity for us to see the indispensable value of meeting together. This is why this moment right now becomes so important for us to see with clarity the value of meeting together because I pray that we are feeling the loss 
I pray that we are grieving the loss of our inability to gather physically. Allow that grief, allow that loss now to generate in your heart this conviction. We must be together. We must meet together. Notice it in verses 24 to 25 now. Again, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Watch this now, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. And so I want us to look back at the context again. The writer to the Hebrews actually wrote this, I want you to know, as a warning against apostasy. That, that in the writer's mind in this moment, this, this issue of meeting together was so significant that to abandon the local assembly, that to abandon gathering together and meeting together meant to turn your back completely on Christianity and in that context to revert to Judaism. And so in the midst of persecution, in the midst of the abuse that that church was facing, in the midst of the plundering of all their properties, the temptation for the Christians that the author is writing to would have been to give up on meeting together. It's such a relevant passage for us today. Their temptation would have been to give up on gathering, to avoid being arrested, to avoid further suffering if you were caught gathering together to worship Jesus Christ. But the writer to the Hebrews is so emphatic when he says in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. The writer's saying, I, I know it's hard. I, I know you're persecuted, but, but you need to understand the, the value and the necessity of being together. You need to understand the encouragement that your soul needs by looking into the eyes of another believer who is facing similar things. You need to understand the strength that is found in discussing the word of God together and praying together and knowing that you're not alone. I know you're tempted to give up, but don't neglect meeting together. It's the habit of so many. Don't let that be your habit, but encourage each other. And we can't encourage each other if we are not together. Now, there are people all over the world, the Church of Jesus Christ, even throughout history, that have understood the value of meeting together, the value and the necessity. They've understood in ways, perhaps, that we have not been able to fully value it or grasp it. I was reading a report from China, and this is what it said about a church in China, it says this, several members of China's heavily persecuted early reign covenant church, several members were arrested by communist authorities for participating in an online Easter worship service on Zoom. They were ordered to cease all religious activity. A persecution watchdog group reports that the Christians were participating in a Zoom worship service from their homes on Easter Sunday when six leaders were arrested 
and detained by the Public Security Bureau. The 5,000-member house church led by Pastor Wang Yi has not been able to gather in person since the communist regime shut down the church in 2018 and arrested their pastor and other leaders. Since then, it has opted to gather online. In China, where the novel coronavirus originated, isolating in place has presented an opportunity for communist authorities to ramp up its campaign against Christianity. Loved ones, I'm I'm both saddened by reports like this and filled with urgency when I read reports like this. I'm, I'm saddened because of the suffering of our brothers and sisters all over the world that that even to gather online means to have people break into your house and to arrest you. I'm, I'm saddened by this, but I'm filled with urgency because of the opportunity that I see that we all need to see in our land and in our time, the the opportunities that we cannot waste in our land and in our time. I want you to know that 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 church and many churches in China and in many of the persecuted nations of the world, you better believe they value and long for the opportunities to gather together, even if just online. And yet there's so many probably tempted to give up. And and yet the exhortation is the same to the people of China and the people in Canada, in Toronto, that wherever possible, value and prioritize the gathering of believers. And while prison may make that impossible and persecution may make that impossible, consider, loved ones, our opportunity right now here in the city of Toronto, in the country of Canada. There is no legislation, there is no law that prohibits us from getting online and being together. And yet maybe for you, this COVID-19 crisis has perplexed you, has deeply discouraged you. And maybe for you today, like many in the time that the writer to the Hebrews was addressing, maybe for you, you have felt like giving up on the gathering. You have felt like isolating further from your hope group that meets online every single Sunday. Maybe for you, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling restless, you're feeling the despair and the uncertainty of the times, and you're starting to get a bit antsy, you're starting to get a bit more restless, and you're starting to withdraw. And this crisis for you now is driving you into mundane Selfless, uh, selfishness when God is calling us to not withdraw but to move towards each other. 
Maybe you're listening to my voice right now and you feel those things. You feel just tempted to stay in your bed on Sunday morning and not even to get yourself to the computer or to a device to stream the service. You're tempted to do that. You're tempted to text your hope group leader and say, I, I'm not going to be there today. Something came up. You're tempted to look at the prayer room taking place at Tuesdays at 7 to 8 p.m. You think, man, maybe, maybe next week. I just, I feel like withdrawing. The writer to the Hebrews reminds us of the encouragement that awaits us and the urgency of our times when he says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Watch this now. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day, what day is he talking about? Well, he's referring to the day Jesus comes back. In other words, life is hard, loved ones. Life is hard. Life is discouraging. This COVID-19 world is discouraging. But in other words, he's saying, stay together. Stay together. Encourage each other. Especially since you know that time is short. You have an opportunity in front of you that this will all be over soon. That The day of Christ's return is drawing near. Stay together. And together you'll be able to maintain the right perspective. And together you'll be able to encourage each other and stir one another up towards love and good works. Maybe, loved ones, this is a perspective that we all need today. It comes, loved ones, as we put off the habit of not meeting and we get back into the practice of being together, oh, you will find your heart encouraged in that place. Loved ones, if you're feeling restless and discouraged and you feel like giving up, let me just remind you, God is faithful. God sees you. He sees your concerns. He sees your discouragement. And he saved you to be part of a body so that he can use that body in your life and he can use your life in that body to bring the much-needed encouragement that these times that we are living in so necessitate. And so from the beginning of this pandemic, our vision has been as elders, every single person connected to a group. Why? Why? Because we cannot neglect meeting together. Every single person in a virtual hope group online because we need each other to encourage each other, to stir up one another towards love and good works. And as we remain faithful, listen, God will reveal again that he is faithful. He is faithful even when we are faithless and he will see us through this time and he will make us stronger in this time so that when the day comes that we can be physically back together again, that day we will gather as a different church, as a stronger church, as a church with greater perspective. Our God is faithful. And as I preach right now, I'm praying that he will accomplish this in us for his glory. He is faithful. Oh, loved ones, stay together. And God will continue to do the great work that he has begun in us since the first day of our church seven years ago. And he'll finish what he started. God loves you. 
and we love you. And let us consider one another so carefully and seriously in these days how to stir up one another towards love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it's the habit of some, but encouraging one another because the day is drawing near. Our faithful Savior is coming back. And oh, what a day that will be, where as a church we'll be with him forever. Until that day we press on, loved ones, we press on. And we press on not individually, but collectively, as one body, never, never alone.